Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our year-long study into revival by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. You remember, we are focusing on walking with God. How do we walk with God each and every day? What do we have to have in our, in our lives? And, and I reveal to you the principle, that very important principle that is recorded three times in God's Word. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God is opposed or resisted the proud, but gives a greater grace to those who are humble. And we talked about that, that particular principle. We came back then, if you remember, and I asked you about giving you a test and finding out whether or not pride might be an issue that you faced. And most of us felt like we were fine until we took that test, which was the parable that Jesus taught about the Pharisee and the publican, the Pharisee being a picture of pride, the publican being a picture of humility. Four distinct characteristics of pride. Pride will not admit it has a need. If it ever would admit it has a need, it believes it can meet its own need. It views other people with contempt, and it's more interested in what people think than what God thinks. Those are the four basic principles. And so whenever you begin to look at that, you begin to take that test, I think most of us came to realize that we have more of a problem with pride than we thought. And if you remember that particular week, I gave you the assignment. I didn't ask you about this last week, but I gave you that assignment. You're supposed to look in the mirror every day and say what? Who remembers that? Who remembers I am a sinner. That's right. Did y'all practice that? I am a sinner. You, look, you need to look in the mirror every day because that's who you are. You're a redeemed sinner, amen, but you still have sin in your heart and your life. And I'm here to tell you, we deal with pride each and every day. Pride can sneak in in so many different ways, so many things that can happen. I, I told my wife during the night, I woke up during the night and was convicted about something that was just a prideful thing that... I said yesterday to a a number of people, I I made that statement, didn't think anything about it until about 2 o'clock this morning, and the Lord woke me up and said, that's just pride in your heart, you know, and so I had to confess that it can sneak in in every way, at least it does with me, it can sneak in any way for pride to be existed in your heart and it revealed in your life. So we took that test and most of us understood that we had more of a problem with pride. So then we came back and we talked about, well, how do you have victory? How do you have victory over that pride issue? And we went back to the passages, James, we looked at last week, and now we're at a passage in First Peter, because James and First Peter were two times that that principle was stated, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we talked about last week in the book of James, how do you have victory over that? We talked about that we, we have a problem with a three-headed monster. You remember that? The three-headed monster, monster is one, we are sinners by nature. And as because we are sinners, we have a proneness to pride. You remember? Also, we live in a world that is full of pride. So everywhere you go, you see pride, and it constantly encourages you to be prideful. And then the third problem we have, and the third head of that monster was that the chief of all the prideful, Satan himself, is there to applaud us, to affirm us, to encourage us, to keep walking in pride. Because when we walk in pride, we walk with him, 
not with God. When we walk in humility, we're walking with God. Walk in pride, we're walking his direction. So Satan's just trying to encourage us all along the way that we will stay in that place of keeping to walk in pride. So we have that three-headed monster. We also talked about the power, the power God gives us to overcome that three-headed monster. Who is that? That's God. And how do you receive his power? By submitting to God, by being submissive to God, realizing who he is and allowing him to sit on the throne of your heart, your life, to be able to rule you over your life and to control you. And whenever that happens, you have the protection of the Lord God, Almighty God protecting you, and you have the direction of God. And then we saw finally there in the book of James, we saw three glorious promises that we needed to claim in order to walk with God and defeat the enemy and defeat that pride. One was resist the devil and what? And he will flee. That's a promise of God's word. Not just a statement, it's a promise of God. If we will resist the devil because we've submitted to God and God is on our throne and he's ruling and reigning, the devil must depart. He must leave. A second promise was draw near to God and God will draw near to you. That's right. That's another wonderful promise. All he asks of us is to draw to him, to come to him, and he will come to us. He's not going to hold us at arm's length. He's just wanting to let us see us come, just like the prodigal was coming home and the father runs and, and cares for him. Our heavenly father will run and care for us as he sees us coming home. You remember that? And then the other thing was that if we will humble ourselves before God, that he will exalt us. If we will choose to humble ourselves for God, he will exalt us. Those are three wonderful, wonderful promises in God's Word from the book of James. Now, I want us to look this Sunday at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 is where we find that principle again. And I want to talk to you today about some really important matters regarding this particular passage. It's going to be this Sunday and next Sunday we'll deal with this passage. But I want to look at the first part. It's found there beginning in verse number 5. In verse number 5. Listen to what it says. And you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Here's that principle. For God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him... Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Now, hope you keep your Bibles open. As we look at it, we're going to look at the first part today. All right? Here's the first thing that I want you to see in this passage there in verse number 5. And that is that whenever you're living a life of humility, humility is going to cause us to be submissive to God, Right? Whenever we submit to God, that's a picture of humility. And, and therefore, we are called to be submissive to God. 
But humility is also a call for us to be submissive to others. Write that down, okay? If if you're going to have a humble heart and you're going to walk with God, you're not just going to be submissive to God, but that humble heart is also requiring of you that you will be submissive to others. Submissive to others. Listen to what it says in verse 5. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. It's a simple picture of this. He said, you younger men, you need to respect your elders. You need to respect those leaders in the church. And you need to be willing to submit yourself, which is humility. You need to be willing to submit yourself, not only to God, but also to submit yourself to your elders to your leaders, to those who are older than you, to those who are spiritually more mature than you, you need to be willing to submit to them. You need to be willing to submit to them. Now, let's let's just talk about that a minute. It's a challenge for us to submit ourselves to God, isn't it? Don't we like to sit on the throne? Yeah, we like to rule and reign. It's hard for us to submit ourselves to God. And God is perfect He's absolutely perfect. He never does one thing wrong, never says one thing wrong, never leads us astray. There's not one thing about him that should cause us to resist his leadership or his guidance in our life. He is perfect. So if we struggle submitting ourselves to perfect God, how much do you think we're going to struggle submitting ourselves to fallible men? People who aren't perfect. People who don't do everything right. People who don't always say something right. Don't always respond the right way. They have feet of clay. But you know what God says here? God says, you need to be submissive to those younger men, to those who are elders who have those feet of clay. Who have those feet of clay. That is a challenge, but that reveals where your heart is. Do you have a humble heart or a prideful heart? A prideful heart will not submit to God, and a prideful heart, even if it submits to God, will not submit to other people, will not submit to leadership. Do you not see that as a problem in our nation right now? I mean, isn't that true that the respect for leadership is just thrown out the door? A respect for authority is thrown out the door? Well, that's because if they don't submit to God, they're certainly not going to submit to authorities and to people in leadership. But that may be okay for the world, but that's not okay for believers. Believers are to be submissive to God and submissive to leaders and respecting the authority. That's what he tells those young men. You have this responsibility. You must, you must submit to God and you must submit to others. Now, let me tell you this. If you're struggling in your submission to others, it might be a barometer that you're also struggling in your submission to God. If you're struggling submitting to others, it could be that you're not as submissive to God as you think you are because you don't have a humble heart. A humble heart says, I want to submit to God. I want to submit to others. A humble heart says that response. So check it out. You can feel like you're submissive to God just so long as God always tells you or you think he tells you what you want to hear. 
You know, you know when I was always the greatest parent? When I said yes to what are my kids want to do. Isn't that right? You want to be popular with your kids, just always say yes. And they'll think you're wonderful. Do you know when I wasn't the greatest parent? You know when they didn't love me quite as much? You know when they didn't put me up for father of the year? It's when I what? I said no. Whenever I stood in opposition to what they wanted to do, then it, it, wasn't, that much, it wasn't that much fun. Well, maybe the reason that you feel like you're submissive to God is because you think God's always telling you yes to what you want to do. But what do you do whenever he says no? What do you do whenever he says, no, this won't work? No, you're not to do that. Are you going to still be happy and joyful in the Lord? Are you still going to be excited about what God's telling you to do and you'll respond to God? Check it out. Check it out in your heart. Now, listen to what it says here then in regard to the responsibility we have. Don't miss it in verse 5. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders. Here it is. And all of you, he wasn't just talking about younger men, he's talking about everybody in the church. And all of you clothe yourselves, what? With humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What does he say? You've got to clothe yourselves with humility. Now, that, in the Greek language, that was literally the word used for an apron that a slave would put upon in order to do work. Especially, it was an apron that that slave might place on their body before they would carry out that unlovable, unlovable task of washing the guest's feet. Oh, you remember that, don't you? And when people would come into the house of uh, and they were the guests, and they had traveled, and their feet are dusty. The slave did what? The slave had the responsibility of going and washing their dusty, dirty feet in preparation for the meal. The lowest of slaves would be given that responsibility to be the one who washes feet. And they would place the apron upon them as they would go and take the, the bowl and the towel, and they would wash that person. He says, clothe yourselves with humility. Clothe yourself with that apron of humility. Clothe yourself with an apron of humility so that you might be able and be willing to wash someone's feet. An act of humility. I'm trying to think, do y'all remember anybody who washed somebody's feet? Y'all remember remember a story about that? Help me. Who was it? Jesus washed the disciples' feet. That's my wife. Anybody else remember that story? Y'all remember that story? Yeah, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. I think we might learn something from that. It's found in John. Hold your fingers here for a minute. Turn back to the Gospel of John. John chapter 13. And John 13 is a picture of this humility. Humility pictured by Jesus. So what it says that he did in verse 4, chapter 13 of John. He rose from supper, laid aside his garment, and taking a towel, girded himself about. And he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which 
he was girded. Who is that doing that? Jesus Christ. Who is that doing that? The King of kings and Lord of lords. Who is that doing that? That's the Son of Almighty God. He's the Savior of the world. He's the creator of all that we are. He takes after supper and goes and girds himself. And based on what is written here in 1 Peter, he puts upon him the apron of humility. He placed upon him an apron of humility and bends down and washes his disciples' feet as a lowly servant. Now, don't miss something, though. I want you to back up and I want you to see what Jesus knew and, and what was in Jesus' heart that enabled him to do that, right? It's in one verse. Back up just one verse, verse 3. That's what it says about Jesus right here. Three things. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper and laid aside his garment. You see those three things? In one verse it says three things that Jesus knew that enabled him to humble himself and to go and wash disciples' feet. It, it enabled him to put on that apron of humility. What were the three things? He says, first of all, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand. Now, we know the Son of God has a special relationship with the Father. But let me tell you, everything that it says right here that Jesus had and Jesus knew are the same things God gives to you and me. Do you know that whenever you come to relationship with God, do you know that God has given all things into your hand? Did you know that you're a child of the King? Did you know you're a joint heir with Jesus? Do you know that your inheritance is all that God has? You know you're a part of the family of God. You know God withholds nothing. He withholds nothing from you. You are in a special relationship with Almighty God. And when you understand the unique special relationship you have with God, just like Jesus knew the Father had given all things and placed all things into his hands, it gives you the basis in your life to where you can be humble and, and submit yourself and wash somebody's feet. But, but that's not all. It, it's not just that he knew that all things had been given to him by the Father. Listen. He also knew that he had come forth from God. Now, we know that Jesus preexisted. He was there in creation. He was there all the time. And then he came and took the form of man. We understand all that. But he knew where he came from. He knew where he came from. And whenever you know where you come from and who it is that you're going back to, that makes all the difference in the world. Do you realize that when we know where we come from, it makes all the difference in the world? I mean, if you know that God is your creator, he's the one that created, he gave breath to your body, he gives life to you, he gives you opportunity. Everything you are is because of what God gave to you. You're not here because your mother and daddy decided to have a child. You're here because God ordained for you to be here and used your mother and daddy as an instrument to get you here, amen? And whenever you know that you're here because of the hand of God and that God has brought about and that you have a gift of life, that enables you to put on the apron of humility and to do something for somebody else. That's not all. Look what else. And he knew that he was going back to God. Now, he's returning from where he already existed, but we are going to go back to God, the one who created us, the one who gives us life. 
We're going to God. Where are we going to, where are we going to end up? Where, where's, the, where's the final story? Where's the final chapter? Where's that going to be? We're going to heaven. We're going to heaven. And if I know those three things, it allows me to have a humble heart. It allows me to place upon me the apron of humility so that I can go and care for somebody else and minister to somebody else and submit myself to somebody else because I know that God has given all things into my hand, that I was created by God, and that I'm going back to God. Amen. The one who created me and brought me from the dust of the earth. If you know those three things, it allows you to have humility of heart. Go back to 1 Peter. That's what he says. He says right here in verse number 5, You younger men likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. All of us are to be putting on that apron of humility so that we're ministering and washing each other's feet. If not literally washing each other's feet, we're caring and meeting the needs and submitting ourselves as a lowly servant to each other. Well, what a, what, what a difference the world would be. What a difference the church would be if we actually did that. Amen? If we actually... We're willing to wash each other's feet and care for each other and thinking that somebody else is more important than me. And then he comes to that point, says this, why, why, why should we put on that apron of humility? Why should we have that? Because God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Whenever you place upon you the apron of humility, you're a recipient of the grace of God. The blessings and favor of God come your way. Who receives the greatest reward for humility? Not the one that is being submitted to, but the one who is submitting. The one who has the humble heart is a recipient of the greater grace of God. Now listen to what the next verse says. Very important. Here it is. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Now, the reason that verse is so important is this. Notice what it says. Humble yourselves. Humbling yourselves versus being humbled. In other words, I I would never pray this prayer. Lord, humble me. You don't want to pray that prayer, all right? No more than you want to pray the prayer, Lord, create in me greater faith. Oh, really? Just have it, amen? Just have faith. Don't, don't, you don't want God to help you to be humble. You want to humble yourselves. That is a choice that you make. It is a decision that you make. Really, humility is a decision. How am I going to respond? How am I going to see things? What's my reaction going to be? Am I going to do this or am I going to do that? He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. It is your responsibility versus the fact of wanting things to happen in your life that will humble you. And there are things that can happen in life that humble us pretty quickly, don't they? Can you tell some stories in your life where 
Things have happened that have humbled you. When you were riding the tall horse only to fall off. You know, I've always said, you you got to be careful about riding the high horses. Because it's a long way to the ground. Amen? Be careful on high horses. When I was riding, when I was a child, I liked riding Shetland ponies. They were real close to the ground. Weren't too far. Matter of fact, you could just put your feet down, they'd run out from under you. But you get on a big horse, it's a long way to the ground. It hurts. But whenever we find ourselves riding a high horse, and we're full of pride, we can be humbled. Very quickly, we can be humbled. So God didn't say, ask me to humble you. He says, humble yourselves. It's a choice you make. Every day, and more times than one time a day, you'll have to humble yourself. Do you have that conversation going on inside of you? When something flares up and you're thinking, how am I going to respond? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? Who am I going to honk the horn at and shake my fist at? You know what I'm talking about. All along the day and all along your way, you're going to have to make a choice to be humble. A choice to be humble. A choice to be humble. And and here's something else. Listen to me. Being humble is not just acting like you're humble. Did y'all hear that? It's not just acting like you're humble. Some people act like they're humble when they're not humble. True humility is birthed in your heart. It's birthed in your heart and lived out in your life. False humility is just lived out, but it's not really in your heart. I'll give you an illustration about that. Uh, whenever I was, I had got my master's degree, and uh, we were waiting to find our first church. And in the meantime, my parents owned washeteries and, and, and dry cleaners. That's what they did. So they graciously let me work for them while, while we were waiting to go to our first church. And, uh, and I remember I was sitting there, and, and you have to walk, mop and clean the floors, you know, and you have to wash off the washers and all that stuff. You, you would not. I've washed off. I've mopped more floors and washed more washers than you could ever imagine in your life. But I remember you have to wash these washers and I remember sitting there one day, and I was washing. you got to understand, I have a bachelor's degree. I have a master's degree. I have all this stuff. I mean, you know, I'm primed and ready. I'm educated to the hilt. All I need is a place to go. And I was sitting there washing off this washer, and I was washing off. I said, man, I sure am humble. (laughs) I know y'all don't carry on your conversation like that. You're so holy. But for common people like me, I mean, I'm sitting here going, man, I tell you, I'm really humble. I mean, I've got a master's degree, and I've got all this, and, I've, and I'm washing off washing machines. I wonder how many people washing off washing machines have master's degrees. You know, I'm washing off. I'm so humble. And God said, you're not humble. You're not humble about, about that because you don't want to be washing off washing machines. You're just doing that because you've got to feed your family right now. You're not humble. You ever hear him speak to you like that? And he was right. I wasn't. Well, about two weeks later, I, I, was, I went to a mission trip to Argentina. On our way to Argentina, we stopped in Brazil, flying over, and stopped in Rio. Didn't get out of the airport, we were just in the airport, but we were in the airport about four hours. And I saw something that was just unbelievable. I went into the Rio airport, and there was a lot of people in there, but there was one man who was in there, and his job was to clean up after everybody in the bathroom. 
When somebody go to, go to use this, he'd go clean that. Whenever do that, clean that, clean that. And, and, and the most amazing thing is the whole time he was in that bathroom and I was in there watching him, he was whistling while he worked. You know what God said to me? That's humility. That's humility. He didn't, he wasn't just cleaning the bathrooms. He was happy to be doing it. He was whistling while he was doing it. And humility is not just doing the right thing. It's doing it with a right heart. And God says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. And how do you humble yourself? Under the mighty hand of God. When you realize how awesome he is, how wonderful he is, how glorious he is, that he would even consider us, he'd give one thought about us, much less send his son to die for us. We ought to be humble from the very depths of our spirit to the ends of our fingers. We ought to be humble under the mighty hand of God. Now, once again, the best illustration of that is is found in Philippians chapter 2. Listen to what it says. It's that same fella we just read about a while ago. His name is Jesus. Pretty good example, isn't he? Philippians chapter 2. Remember what it said? Verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. Though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, And being found in appearance of a man, he humbled, he what? He humbled himself. Hear that? He wasn't humbled. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Jesus is a picture of humility and true humility in the fact that He was humbled unto death. You know what that means? What I just told you. It wasn't that Jesus was drugged to the cross and nailed on the cross. But Jesus gladly went to the cross. For the joy laid before him, he endured the cross. He humbled himself. Look, look, look what it says. Humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, what was the promise? If you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you at the proper time. Isn't that what he said? Well, if that's true, then, then if Jesus is a picture of humility, he should be what? Exalted. Look, look what it says. Therefore, also God highly exalted him. There's the fulfillment of that promise. And bestowed on him the name which is above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The principle is true. When he humbled himself, he was exalted. The proper time he will be exalted. And just as he promised and will fulfill that with Jesus, he promises that to you and me. That if you humble yourself 
at the proper time, and he's the only one who knows the proper time, you will be exalted. You will be lifted up. Wow. See, every person, every person is going to exalt Jesus. That's why it gets, has the name above every name. Everyone is going. Now, here's the difference. When he comes and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess he's Lord, two groups of people. One group of people will kneel before him, submit before him, and acknowledge him as Lord of lords and King of kings because they've been doing it their whole life since they got saved. And they've been doing it because they adore him. They do it because of adoration. But for those who do not accept him as Lord and Savior and reject him as King of kings... One day they will kneel before him and they will confess him as king of kings and lord of lords. But not because they've always done it out of adoration, but they will do it out of obligation. Out of obligation. Because the father said, because my son humbled himself, every knee in heaven, on earth, under the earth, all of creation, all of existence will kneel down before him and acknowledge who he is, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's faithful to fulfill his promise to his son and to you. If you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Now, remember, don't ask God to humble you. Just choose to humble yourself under his mighty hand. Put on that apron of humility. You get a chance to do it every day. You'll have a chance before the day's over. All right? You're going to have a chance today to put on that apron of humility and how you respond. And if you will do that, God will honor that. God will give greater grace to you for that. But it's your choice. It's your choice. Because the promise, He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.